Please stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to his disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing, until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be left in the field. One will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And with that encouraging reading, you may take your seats, and I will say to you, Merry Advent. Let us pray. O God of hope, we pray that we might find our center in your word and that your ways might guide our path. When we go astray, help us to run to you. When we fall asleep in our complacency, rouse us with your love. O God, now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, while I was home for Thanksgiving uh, this past week, I faced that age-old question that parents or grandparents might be facing or asking in recent days and weeks. What would you like for Christmas? I quickly responded, I don't know, because Lord knows, and certainly you all know, I already have too many pairs of shoes. The exchanging of Christmas gifts has a long, long storied history. You see, we Christians first co-opted it from the Roman pagan holiday that celebrated winter solstice, and we took it and we fused it into our own story, tying it to the gifts that the Magi, the wise men, gave to Christ upon their arrival at his manger. The date for the exchange didn't even really settle until, December, until the mid-1800s on December 25th, when the poem you might know as "'Twas the Night Before Christmas and Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol were published and popularized the giving on, of gifts on the 25th itself. Before that, you know, Christmas Day was just a normal Christian holy day, not yet a Hallmark movie cliché. The story of Christmas gifts, the tradition, has even more twists and turns than this, certainly more than we have time to delve into this morning. Now, one thing, though, that has stayed the same across the ages is an impulse that we have to give and to receive gifts. And underneath this impulse, the deep longing for the hope, for the gift of a transformed and a renewed world. Our world, and every person in it, at least from time to time, still longs for that thing you see that will come to satisfy their emptiness, that will heal their brokenness, that will take away their pain. And so we load up our credit cards around the holiday time trying to fill that hole. 
we exchange gifts, not only to ritualize the giving of Christ to us on Christmas, but also to scratch that itch, that restlessness, that hole that lies from time to time within each and every heart. Now, as disciples of Christ, we know that the gift of Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy those longings, that Jesus certainly is the answer for all of our problems. And yet, that said, we still live in a world full of brokenness and pain. In the last two weeks of loan, I, like many, have been horrified by the images and news of several mass shootings. First, in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia, then in Colorado Springs at a LGBTQ nightclub, and finally at a Walmart just a few days ago in Chesapeake, Virginia. These are just the ones that have risen to the top of the news headlines, and gun violence itself is just one of the many issues that confront us on a day-to-day basis. I don't have to tell you all this, you know it all too well, but our world, it's broken and it has been since nearly the beginning. And so as I've sat with this news this weekend, as I've thought about Advent and Christmas and what it all means and how to preach this confusing gospel text that we have before us, the words of Nadia Boltz-Weber, who was a Lutheran pastor and activist, came to mind. She wrote a commentary on this exact gospel passage and highlighted something that is a bit ironic. She thinks that part of the good news of this gospel passage is that we get this image of Christ coming like a thief in the night. No one knows when Christ will make his appearance, and in his final advent, he will take us away from all of the pain and brokenness that we face in this world. We can think of Christ like a thief in two senses, even though it's ironic First, Christ will steal us away from all those things. And second, Christ will rob evil in all of its varied forms of its power and its influence. And so in light of this image, Weber makes a suggestion. Maybe this year, instead of making Christmas lists filled with all of the things that we want to get that we try and have to fill that hole, it might be more helpful and healing as a devotional practice instead to make an advent list. An advent list would look like a list of all of those things in our lives and in our world that we hope and pray that God might come to fix. The hope that Christ will return at the end of all things and fix the world is what the liturgical season of advent is really all about. In this first week of advent every year, we hear from more apocalyptic portions of the gospel that reveal a vision of a transformed and a renewed world. world. The word advent itself comes from the Latin word for wind, which can also mean in that language spirit or breath. In the season of advent, not only do we get ready for Jesus' advent among us at Christmas time, we also await his final advent, his final return. And in the meantime, between these two advents, we recognize our deep need of the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. Make no mistake, the meantime that we find ourselves in is a mean time. 
This world today is certainly in constant need of a new advent. Today, things might seem worse than ever, though they have been bad from the beginning, but worse than ever today, mostly because of all of those screens to which so many of us are very addicted. You see, sometime in the last 50 or so years, a couple distinct phenomena converge to create this situation. We first gain the technological capacity to send and receive messages instantaneously. Think about phones and computers and the internet. Second, the media discovered that they could make major profits off of our fears and our anxiety. And they also learned that they could keep us addicted and watching by convincing us that we, whoever we are, are right. And that they, whoever they are, are very wrong. And so we're more anxious and divided than ever. And this doesn't vary if you watch NBC, MSNBC or CNN or Fox News. It's the same across all of those outlets. And so welcome, welcome to 2022, almost 2023, where the first and last thing that most of us look at in our days are our cell phones where most of our young people are trapped in a cycle of what has been called doom scrolling, that process of scrolling through your phone and seeing everything everywhere all at once that is wrong with the world and becoming all at once seemingly horrified and numbed and yet too addicted to look away. The end result is this contemporary brokenness and dread that we all feel in these times. We can see it clearly in the rising mental health crisis, especially among our young people, people who have never experienced a world, think about this, have never experienced a world without a screen in front of them. If we were to draft up an advent list of all the things that we would hope Christ would take away from us, that list would be so very long. And not only because we are literally just exposed to so much more bad news, but also because in the seeming celebration and the profiteering off of all that is wrong in the world, it is increasingly difficult to imagine a future with hope. And yet, that said, even still there is a reason for us who follow Christ to persist as people of hope, to be a light and a safe harbor in the storm of our contemporary culture. Let's flip back and look at that first reading this morning from the prophet Isaiah, the very first words that we read and hear at the start of a new liturgical church year. Isaiah shares a vision when all nations and people will come before God's throne when people will beat their swords into plowshare, their, their spears into pruning hooks, when the house of Jacob and really the whole world will come and walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah prophesied these words on the brink of a crisis, one larger and more imminent than we can begin to wrap our heads around. You see, Jerusalem, the city of God, was literally staring down the armies of Babylon, about to be conquered, about to be sent off into exile. 
Despite this, Isaiah's words are those of hope and encouragement. Despite the hopelessness we may feel today, God's word to us is of hope and encouragement. And sure, these these are words of an overly idealistic pie-in-the-sky vision of the future when all nations and all people will be gathered around God's house and centered around God's word. All will submit themselves to God's judgment. Peoples and nations alike will find that impulse for war and aggression and violence transformed into an active drive for peace and for self-cultivation. Take a moment and imagine what our world would look like today if instead we took all that energy and effort that is pumped into bad news and keeping us divided and we diverted it. Instead, at efforts to cultivate ourselves and our world, what if we focused those efforts instead on things that divided us and not broke us up? What would that world look like? We begin the season of Advent by orienting ourselves exactly around this hope. And though it might seem too good to be true in the here and now, there are two simple ways, I think, that we can begin to embody and live into this hope that God has for us. First, in the face of everything that's wrong in the world, perhaps the most courageous and brave thing that we can do is in spite of it all, take heart and let ourselves find encouragement by this vision of God's future. When it seems too good to be true, when our efforts feel futile and empty, we still can trust in God's promises, which are renewed day by day, if we know where and how to seek them out. This leads me to the second thing that we can do. It's spelled out for us in Isaiah's vision. We can orient ourselves around God's word. We can immerse ourselves in God's word of law and gospel. We can follow God's paths. We can, following the poetic language of the prophet, walk in the light of the Lord, no matter how dark our world may seem. It turns out we can only hope to walk in this way by actually doing this crazy thing and spending time in scripture. By orienting ourselves faithfully week in and week out in worship. By seeking the wisdom even of those different from ourselves. By fighting that impulse that we have for division and aggression and violence. One of the best parts about Isaiah's vision is that all nations and peoples will be drawn there and united in their shared longing for a world of peace and justice and equity. The good news isn't just for us, it's for everyone. Only when we are rooted and motivated, led in these ways, will our actions begin to change the world. Will we begin to be able to mark off those things that we would like to write and put on an Advent list? And so today, as we begin the season of Advent, as we begin to make that march steadily towards Christmas, 
we have these four weeks of Advent to orient our longings and our hopes around the gift of Christ with us and around the future hope of Christ's return to us. Those who follow Jesus can't really have easy answers or quick fixes for all of those problems that bombard us day in and day out in the world. But what we can do is abide in hope. We can continue to walk in the light of the Lord, to be people who are anchored in scripture, who are rooted and built up in the promises of God to each and every one of us and to our shared world. We can be people who are ready and eager to forgive and who are faithful in our actions. To bring it full circle and tie it back to that gospel reading, as Christ exhorts us this day, we all must stay awake and be ready. We can't let the world and all of the bad news that we face lull us to sleep. You see, we never know when or how God is going to appear. Only that God will faithfully show up time and time again. All of those Advent list items that we might like to make. God will write all of those things in God's time. And maybe most importantly, God invites us this and every day to join into that work of ministry as well. But in the meantime, all that's left for us to do is to get ready to roll up our sleeves and work, to find rest and comfort in the hope of Christ with us at Christmas and the hope of Christ returning to us at the end of all things. All we can do is walk in the light of the Lord faithfully one step at a time. Amen.